0: Hey, this is Dave Fryer. Welcome to Leading Agile Sound Notes. Today I have Dr. Kelly Lingerfeld with me. Um, thank you very much for being here.
1: Thank you for asking me, I'm excited.
0: Um, and I'm psyched that you're here at the company too. So this is sort of a new role at Leading Agile, but would you could you take a moment to just share with the folks what, what work you're doing here?
1: Sure, um, my background is in clinical psychology. And in the last few years, I've gone into the area of executive coaching, and working with companies and organizations, um, sports teams. And so I've been working with Leading Agile um, on just a case-by-case basis for a couple of years and realized that I was um, really enjoying my work with the Leading Agile folks and wanted to continue on a full-time basis. So in my role, I work with people who who might be struggling in their role, but um, essentially, enhancing the performance of employees within their role Um, so if they want to go from say a 98 percent performance rate to a 99 or 99 plus um, i help them achieve those goals
0: okay and so that's going to include i mean all kinds of things like knowledge social skills whatever kinds of gaps Mm -hmm. they have you're going to help them figure that out and plan out a way to cross that chasm I'm guessing.
1: Yes. Things like executive presence, um, how they come across, how to, to read clients and, and match them, um, psychologically. Um, so, you know, things as simple as, okay, you know, this person seems to be like this. Okay. How do I email them? How do I get in touch with them so that they can best receive that information? Um, those kinds of things are, are, really important, um, but they can be small things and they can be larger things like what is happening here with a group dynamic and in the company and, you know, how do we argue about things? How do we bring things up? Um, how do we talk about things as a, as a team? Okay. So
0: I, mm-hmm. I have one sort of side question before we get into the main topic, based on what you just okay. said. Um, when you talked about executive presence, yes, I feel like, and I'm, I'm just, this is totally just coming out of nothing scientific, just my own observations. Mm -hmm. There are people that can take a room, they walk in, Mm -hmm. and there's people that that do it automatically. There's people that can do it when they need to. And then there's the people that don't understand why the room hasn't been given to them. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Yes. But so Mm -hmm. that's something I've always felt like that was just like an innate thing. Is that something you can develop Mm. the ability to, to be able to to do?
1: Certainly. It's, it's nice if it's just your innate ability and, and you have that sense about you, um, that when you go into a room, you should be, you should be paid attention to. Um, some folks are more extroverted and so that's really something that they crave. Some people are more introverted and so they want to kind of go into a room and, and not be noticed until they know what the, the lay of the land is. Yeah. Um, so, but it can be taught and it can be coached okay. um, and developed. And sometimes folks don't realize that they need to have that when they are approaching clients, and so when to use it and when not to use it um, is something that sometimes you know you do, you might not learn growing up, and so if you don't know about um, presentation and the effectiveness and, and when to turn it on, when to turn it off, yeah, um, it can be eye opening.
0: I guess that when not to use it is as big of a thing. I hadn't really thought about that before.
1: Absolutely. When to oh, use it, when yeah. not to use it, um, especially given an individual's personality structure. Yeah. So if you're more introverted and you lose energy, you lose you know, the go power um, by being you know, on yeah. in a group, you might not know when to turn it on, when to turn it off. And so then you might be exhausted yeah. at the time when you really need to have it. That's crucial.
0: Awesome. Well, this is great. Thank you. So th- and that's kind of, I guess, an, an interesting segue into the thing that I was um, really appreciative of you being willing to talk about, which is we're about where we seem to be, I hope, knock on wood, at the tail end of the pandemic part. And depending on what state of the country you live in, you are in various states of returning to normalcy. Um, I'm in New York City, where we're still not normal yet. We're still pretty sheltered, but it's about to change. And um, one of the things I've been thinking about is I know for myself, I have a lot of anxiety about going back out there. I mean, I've been um, fortunate in that if you tell me to stay in my apartment for a year and a half with my wife and my kid, I'm like, that's fine, I'm good. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, I miss being in a room with with people, but I've adapted pretty well. Going back out there is filling me with a bit of dread. And I have a lot of friends who are very extroverted and some of whom have had, I mean, I, one of them in particular, when I talk to him, I can hear it in his voice. Like he is at a breaking point. He's had a very hard time coping with this stuff and, and and finding mechanisms to get himself through. I have a feeling that when he runs outside full of excitement and joy to meet everybody again, it's not Mm -hmm. really going to hit the mark. I think a lot of people are going to be a little bit slow and, creeping back in and i just i wanted to kind of explore what kind of things you think people ought to be paying attention to or what they could do to prepare themselves um what issues you're expecting to see crop up um
1: sure Sure. you know when the pandemic hit and people went into quarantine um it it made a big change in everyone's life, right? Um, you were, you know, uh, you know, sheltering your home, and you know, not going into your workplace, and you know, figuring out how to do remote learning if you're a parent with kids who um, are in school. Um, so it was a major shift, um, and we've seen over the course of the pandemic that people have dealt with that anxiety of that big shift in different ways. Some like you, um, have adapted perfectly well and, you know, fine, this suits me. This is, this is good. And some people are just chomping at the bit wanting to get back out there. Um, so it's, you know, it's resulted in increased anxiety, increased depression, um, increased, um, Eating, yeah, eating, well, everything's. Eating. I mean, you
0: said I've adapted perfectly. I'm currently at like 18 cups of coffee a day. Um, uh, that, <laughs> that, that is my like, I'm not a wine guy, I'm a coffee guy. Yes, so
1: uh-huh.
0: I think, yeah, everything is amped up.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, Our consumption. So some people have, you know, have adjusted in different ways. You know, you heard a lot about people going back to cooking a lot and, and making bread and, yeah. you know, kind of having those comforts at home. Watching so, the
0: Tiger King and making bread, yes.
1: Yes, watching <laughs> Tiger King. And so, the, you know, I mean, there is a correlation between a lot of television watching and levels of depression. So, you know, we are suited as humans to be social animals and being social and being socially active in whatever form that is for you. Um, you know, is good for us. It's good for our brain. It helps make sure that our, you know, our our cortical areas of our brain are functioning well and, you know, doing all that kind of great stuff. Our prefrontal cortex is so important in in planning and development. And it's kind of the CEO of your brain. And so the more social action or activity that we have, the better that area of the brain is functioning. So over the course of this pandemic, with less of that social interaction, that part of our brain might have decreased a little bit, right? And so getting back out there, we're going to be using parts of our brain and psyche that we haven't used for a while. So it's going to be an adjustment for, for everybody, no matter if you're introverted or extroverted. So
0: that's going to be, I would think, fairly exhausting for, I mean, almost like in the same way that everybody's step count is probably way down. Um I mean, I think in New York, the average New Yorker walks five miles a day, and I'm sure that I'm probably down to an average of about, except for the days when I go running, probably like one or two. Um, but if uh-huh. I go back to five miles a day, that's going to take some getting used to and being around people and all that stuff. Even if you're an extrovert, I would imagine that there's a tax that comes with that like a physical. tax.
1: Yes. You know, it, it is a tax anytime that we look at change or transformation, there's a toll to be paid. And so it's, you know, it's going to be relative to you, you know, for each individual, it's going to be different, but that, that toll is, is there, you know, uh, leading agile is, is active in transformation, right? That's, that's what we do. Yeah. And, on an individual level, I work with people in transformation. And it's always, change is always difficult because we resist it as humans. You want your coffee the same way in the morning, in your same cup. Yeah. You want your parking place. You want to hang your coat where you hang it. And just changing those simple things can be difficult. What about a whole change in how we do our work and run our life? That's major.
0: I was just thinking of having to wear pants again. When, <laughs>
1: yes, wearing pants. <laughs> Indeed, it's difficult. And so, you know, just like, what is your outfit going to be
0: now? Yeah. Hmm. yeah. Um. So how can I mean, are there things that people can do to either? I don't know, I don't know if protect themselves is the right word or make sure they have enough energy reserved, or to create some kind of cushioning for themselves so that they don't overtax themselves. Like don't strain some kind of social mental muscle.
1: Uh, (laughs) I think so. I think, I think, um, you know, walking into it rather than running back into change, you know, having a lot of good communication with, you know, um, your employer, um, you know, what do you expect? Can, can we do this kind of in a half mode? You know, go back to in-office work, you know, three days a week and have a couple of days of remote. Because by this time, people have adjusted to working remotely or, you know, or people who, you know, um, have not had a choice of working remotely. Um, You know, those things are, you know, are different. So, So maybe easing back gradually, being not so hard on yourself, you know, don't expect to get out and you know be running at full speed like you did before um you know kind of taking a breath and going this is going to take some time it's and it's okay for it to take some time
0: okay well what about um expectation setting there's there's so i've got you know i mentioned my extrovert friends that i I think they're going to be disappointed but i have a feeling that (laughs) i mean there's parts of me that are like oh my gosh i can't wait to get back in a room with my students and for me the airport was always like a place of comfort like in the beginning Uh of the pandemic i really just wanted to go sit at an airport because i know how things work in an airport Um, but now i'm like ah i don't know and Uh i'm wondering how i can manage or how people can manage their expectations of what's going to happen you know what things are You may be expecting too much of? Where's the anxiety not need to be coming from? Because it just isn't going to be a thing. Is there there a way to do that?
1: Yes, sure. I mean, you know, one of the things, you know, you can do is kind of have mental rehearsal about it. Um, And, you know, kind of think about your workplace or or what you've done. Think about, you know, going to the airport um, and really kind of mentally rehearse it. Um, and, you know, think about, okay, what's going to change when I walk into my office or, you know, are the chairs going to be like this or, uh, the desks, I mean, even simple things like that help to kind of form a mental model, um, that you can depend on, okay. um, those things can help adjust, um, you know, doing like a dry run, going in, you know, doing like a practice, going to work. Uh-huh. thing. You know, just to get back in the groove. Um, So most of us probably before pandemic, many of us before pandemic, probably had a pretty good strategy for getting through the day. Um, You know, you go in at this time, you do this much work, you have lunch here, you go home, on the way home, you pick up the dry cleaning, whatever, you know. And so during the pandemic, we've adjusted and developed new routines. So going to take some time to get a routine that's going to be workable again
0: okay so that that this is one of the things that i really wanted to ask about which is regardless of you know how you feel about it i'm sure there's things that each one of us has that we're like you know romanticizing and daydreaming about like oh it's going to be so great to do this thing again um But doing that thing again is also going to mean you're not going to get to do all the stuff in the new routine that you just brought up. Like, it will be great for me to be able to be in a room full of students again, but I'm really going to miss working side by side with my wife every day, which we've been, because we've been doing the classes together. And while I am maybe emotionally prepared to welcome back the things that I miss, I don't think I have full awareness of the things I'm going to lose when the pandemic's over. Certainly
1: certainly. And so that, you know, with any change you give up something and you gain something. Yeah. And so that, you know, reality of of managing that expectation and going, okay, I am going to be losing some things while I'm gaining other things. So I'll be able to hang out with my friends again, you know, in a more casual way. That's nice and not, you know, just visiting with your friends over Zoom. But losing that closeness of you know, being in just that close proximity with your family, you know, is a is a special time. So yeah. So going, okay. And so any change that a human institutes is going to involve giving up something and gaining something. Um, and and you have to be aware of that because, you know, think about the thought of just giving up stuff and not gaining something in return. I think that's why like diets are so difficult is because you're asking somebody it's to all give loss. up loss. Right. Right. You're giving up your brownies and donuts and, you know, and freshly baked bread and, but you're not putting anything in its place. So I think managing expectations and having an expectation about that is, is really good. Okay. You know, you're going to miss working side by side with your wife. So what are you going to gain, you know, and, and getting a clear idea of that, you know, the other thing is, is, going back to work is going to be an adjustment, just like going into lockdown was an adjustment. And I have a thing in psychology called adjustment disorders, which happen when there is a major change in someone's life. And so there's a period where that adjustment can impact you, whether it be sleeping, you know, your sleep habits get Mm -hmm. disrupted. Um, maybe some some mood things you know you're happier than usual you know kind of giddy or or more depressed or um you know um the way you're eating um so all those things you know you know kind of notice them and see that they're there and go okay let me just file this under under the umbrella of adjustment yeah and it's okay and then we'll move on one of the things that you get when you're, um, when you're in contact with other people is you get to have sort of a mirror to how you're functioning. And without that contact and interaction, you don't have that mirror. So so any kind of change can be amplified.
0: Yeah, I was going to ask about the thing that you just mentioned about... Um... I'm just going to say it the way I'm thinking of it. Like when I, when I go back out, when anybody goes back out, we're all going to be really socially awkward and it's going to be weird. And, Mm -hmm. and I'm sure like the first couple of times I'm in front of students, uh, my voice is going to be too loud or too quiet, or I'm going to be all jerky and over agitated or whatever. And I'm going to have to find a way to just say to myself, dude, you're a hot mess right now. And it's okay. You're just going to have to let that go. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes. that's hard for people to give themselves permission to be weird and awkward and off their game mm-hmm.
1: it's it's super hard especially when you compare how you're going to be doing your job now with how it was before the pandemic changed our lives so much um, because you'll have that expectation that you'll just hit the ground running where yeah. you were before and I think that that going in knowing, there will be an alteration, and and maybe some things you'll do better because you have another perspective that you didn't have before. Okay, but I think just giving yourself a breath and saying it's it's okay, you know. Uh, I, I know that when the quarantine started um, and kids were starting to be um, homeschooled, and it was difficult for everybody, um, not only the kids but but the teachers. Um, how do we do this, you know, Mm -hmm. in a space of like a week, wait, wait, I'm not trained in, in remote teaching. And, and, you know, kids are like, I don't want to do this. I'm, I'm used to being in the classroom with my friends and um, parents are going, okay, how do I um, monitor my child's schooling and do my own job? And, you know, and so there needed to be some kind of, okay, we're not going to do this perfectly for a while. May not. (laughs) for a long while, but we're gonna get through it. <laughs> you just filled
0: me with a whole new range of anxiety I hadn't thought of before. Um, oh, you're welcome. <laughs> thank you, yeah. So one of my <laughs> things that I talked about a lot in the beginning was when when I was teaching, I, I, I was not aware of how much, I mean, I know I depend a lot on the energy that comes from the people in the room and sort of the ambient communication that happens, body language, facial expressions, all that stuff and switching to zoom it was like somebody cut off the food in the water like i i had no information i can't look at their pictures anyway and they've got that you know filter on to make themselves look better so mm-hmm. i'm I'm getting nothing and i've adjusted mm-hmm. but now i'm going to go back and it's going to be like you know the multiplex is turned on blasting information at me from every possible corner and that's going to wreck me
1: Correctly. <laughs> yes. Yes. Sensory overload. Yeah. And you know, and you get that fine-tuned kind of sense of, okay, where's this person? Where's this person? You know, as a as a professor for years and yeah, you read the people um, without even meaning yes. to. Yeah. Yes. And I always say it, I never taught the same course twice, even though I would, you know, be intro yeah. to psych or whatever, because of the of the room, you yeah. know, people, students who are in the room and so you know it's it is it's going to be different and and so it'll take it'll take a breather for everybody to adjust to the new thing
0: so you you mentioned sort of the the loss before and one of the things i'm wondering Mm -hmm. if you might have some tips on i'm trying to be more um i'm not a big fan of the word mindful but more present with the fact that um there's things now that are irritating or that are awesome and I'm trying to really kind of savor them because I know they're going to be different. Like even the things that piss me off right now, but, but (laughs) little, little tiny little things that have become the norm. Like I go to bed at like three o'clock in the morning and I get up around eight o'clock and I'm not going to be able to do that anymore. Um, Mm -hmm. when, when I'm back on the road, it's going to be like it was before. Um, but just, Even the irritation of Zoom, just being aware of the fact that this is a thing that I'm going to remember and I want to be with it and just like acknowledge it as completely as possible um, because it's going to go away. Do you have Mm -hmm. suggestions for how to, things that people can do to catch themselves and remind themselves like, hey, dude, pay attention, this is a thing?
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Sure, sure. The concept of savoring, I think, is really important. Um, you, you know, it's kind of one of the keys to to being happier in your life anyway, is to savor whatever moment you're in. Um, I'm a big sunset person, just love them. And okay. uh, so oftentimes, I will just savor the sunset for just what it is. And you live in a and, place with some
0: pretty amazing sunsets, too
1: indeed indeed we are lucky and so i you know kind of will savor that and just go wait a minute i know i have all these things to do and things i should be doing that's fine but i'm going to just savor this moment and hold on to it and and know that this moment is going to be gone and so i don't try to get out in front of myself or you know rue that i missed a bunch of sunsets so you know one you know looking out in front you know leads to anxiety right yeah. so the more that you can just be mindful and be in the moment and savor whatever it is you know i'm, I'm gonna savor having everybody in the house with me together even though it drives me nuts yeah. sometimes <laughs> <Yes>. because <laughs> i'm gonna miss it so when when my children were young i i really loved that time and um, well i love them now too of yeah. course but um, but i would i you would miss stop myself yeah, yeah. Yeah. Even though you don't get as much It was lead. exhausting and a total pain in the ass, but you miss it. Yes. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. And and this time when we don't really know what everything's going to look like going back, um, you know, it can lead if we worry about it over much, we get into that anticipatory anxiety. Yeah. And so we're worrying about it before it even happens. And so... I think one of the the strongest recommendations I can make is just to be in the moment for what it is and be really clear and open in communication about it.
0: Okay. Well, Mm -hmm. so do you have any kind of, um, I don't know, like parting words of advice or guidance for people as, as they cross the threshold of this thing and head back out into the world, which is going to be full of anxiety for everybody, one way or another, do you have any kind of parting words of wisdom?
1: I would say um, it, this is a not a one-size-fits-all. Every individual is going to face this challenge the way they're going to face it, whether it be um, with joyous expectation um, or a dread, you know, yeah. whatever it is, wherever you are on that continuum, and and just accept that it's that way for you. And keeping communication lines open, you know, both with who you work for, you know, your coworkers and your family members, friends, and just be open about where you're at. Because the more that you can accept where you're at, um, the more likely any unpleasant emotions or actions um, will cease. So the more you go, no, I'm not anxious. No, I can't be anxious because I've got this job. No, you can find it all you want. Anxiety. You're going to be anxious anyway. Yes. Yeah. The more it will, it will present itself for you. So it's oh, okay. you know, more like, yeah, it's, it's just good, like good saying. Universe letting you learn think... the lesson
0: one way or another. Right. Right. Yeah.
1: It's like going, okay, don't think about the pink elephant in yeah. the room. <laughs> That's all you can okay. think about. So, and I, I guess know, it's, oh, it's crazy, but yes, the more that you just accept it, the more um, easily it will pass. Yeah. I I
0: kind of want to add to it. I think uh, the thing that I'm trying going to try to remember really hard to do is one, to be patient with myself. And more importantly, to be patient with all those irritating, obnoxious people that are around me
1: because <laughs> they're having as mm-hmm. hard a time as yeah. I am. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Indeed, empathy for others is, is going to help all of us get through. Cool. Well, so uh, one final question.
0: Um, okay. Well, I'm going to ask you for your contact information in a minute. But the, the but the almost final question, what is one secret blessing that you have gotten out of this pandemic? Like, it's been hard for everybody. But what's the one thing that's made it like, oh, my gosh, this was
1: a total gift? Mm, that's wonderful. What a great question. Um, the, it, I think the gift has just been to really focus on what's important. Um, I've always been family oriented, but I think it's really um, honed my focus on on family and friends. Um, really, you know, that love that we have for one another is the most important thing. Um, and I think it's really um, honed that just in the caution we've had to, to go through and, and saying, gosh, I can't visit, you know, my mother, I can't visit my father. Yeah. Um, just going, okay, well, what are we going to do? How are we going to make this happen? So I think the the blessing in that is, has been just really mindful and having that clarity of how important these people are to, to me. Cool. All right. Well, thank you. This was a really
0: cool conversation. And I'm glad you're here. Um, And I have a whole bunch of other topics I thought of that I'm going to keep bugging you about for more podcasts for so hopefully awesome, that sounds delightful. um, What if people want to get in touch with you? What's the best way to do that?
1: They can contact me. Um, My email is kelly.lingerfeldt, L-I-N-G-E-R-F-E-L-D-T at leadinagile.com. That's probably the easiest way to reach me.
0: Okay. All right. And I'll make sure there's links to that in the show notes. And, and I'm going to link to your book too. Do you want to give a shout out for your book?
1: Sure. My book is a few years old now. Um, it's called Drive Time Stories, Making Most of Moments on the Go. And my mother who's also a psychologist and I wrote it together. Oh, that's awesome. Um, yes. Yes. It was really a fun, a fun wow. project. Cool. Um, and it's, it's used to develop um, ethical decision-making skills in children. Wow. Um, by using stories, by using just narratives and, you know, questions that you can talk to your children about. Um, we found that when I was growing up, my mother and I were often in the car together and we would talk about issues. We'd talk about why people do the things they do. Um, and, and, you know, and we had a lot of time and we realized that a lot of issues were solved just in that car time. And so we came up with this idea cool. It was a wonderful project for us to work on together. Awesome. Well, I'll
0: make sure we include a link to that too. And thank you very much for your time.
1: Thank you, Dave. Appreciate
0: it.